This is Revision Church Atlanta Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Wesley Knight, the lead pastor here at Revision Church Atlanta. Here at RCA, we leverage the power of prayer, personal influence, community development, and love to empower transformation in Christ. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Thank you for tuning in. You know, there was a lady by the name of Maisie Wilson at my home church. And she was on her bed of affliction, dying of cancer. At that time, Wesley and I were dating. And she prophesied from her bed of affliction. She said, there'll be a time where you'll be preaching and she'll be preaching. And she'll be preaching and you'll be preaching. At different places, at different times. Because God has a call on both of your lives. And it's just unique. She's been gone now some 20 years. But every once in a while I ponder. And I didn't understand what she was saying. Because I hadn't had any formal training. But I came to realize that the anointing makes the difference. Uh, does somebody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you find you can do things you shouldn't be able to do. Uh, you, can, you can go places you shouldn't be able to go. But because of the anointing, it makes all the difference in the world. So I thank God for my husband. I thank God for Jesus. And I thank God for you all. Won't you join me as we go through the word today? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can read in yours. Those who belong to Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you make your word clear to your people. We thank you for the word. We thank you for its transforming power. And we expect great things because we serve a great God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ah, God, we love you this morning. Amen and amen. Starting in the book of Galatians chapter 4, you will find uh, a very interesting story. What's happening is our brother Paul has to have a come to Jesus meeting with the Galatians. You ever had to have a come to Jesus meeting with some people? Mm-hmm. See, the issue was when he came to them initially to give them the good news of Jesus, when he came to them the first time, um, they treated him well. But when he came to them the next time, there was a difference. They didn't treat him as warmly as they did the first time. So he was wondering what's going on. Like, he was wondering what's happening to my Galatian brother and sisters. He, he was like, you received me the first time, but this time you're not receiving me the same way. When I came the first time, you cared for me. You protected me. Uh, you looked out for me. Because when he came to them the first time, he was actually sick. And Paul says they had every reason to reject him because he didn't present at his best. 
Nonetheless, they received him. But when he came back the second time, there was an issue. Uh, Paul perceived that there was a lack of joy, a lack of gratitude, and he just could not understand why after he gave them the good news, they were doing so well, and then all of a sudden, there was a change. Somebody said change. And so what was the problem? What had happened since Paul had been there the last time? Have you ever met somebody? <laughs> And the first time you met them, they act like they were happy to see you. The first time you met them, they act like, oh, they, they know you. They wanted to know you. But then on the second time, when you met them, they acted what we might call brand new. They acted a little different. They acted like they may have an attitude with you. Now, you ain't seen them in a while, and you know you ain't done nothing to them, but they acting a little different. Maybe they side-eyeing you, looking a little strange, so you start questioning yourself, but that's not what Paul did. Paul said, uh, I remember when I found you. You were serving a false god. You were working hard to look like your God was the true and the living God, and it was not so. So I came to you, even though you were a Gentile, and I gave you the good news that Jesus saves. Once you all received that news, I saw joy flood your soul and gratitude overwhelm you. But now that some other person has come by, and they begin to give some false teachings. When I come to you now, you acting brand new. And he didn't understand the duplicity. Once you were happy, now you were sad. Once you had joy, now you have sorrow. Why would you exchange that? When I told you the good news of Jesus, that really was enough. Now that you have added to it, courtesy of the false teacher, you now no longer have joy, you no longer have peace. And I believe if it was in modern day time, I believe Paul would have said, I wish you would. I grew up in a time where that's what they used to say, I wish you would. They're not actually saying for you to do it, but it's kind of like our urban, uh, urban phrase that says, I double dog dare you to act like you don't know who I am. And I believe Paul said to them in his own way, I wish you would forget where you came from. Forget all that God has done for you. Forget the joy that you had never known before. I wish you would. Even as a parent, you remember sometimes the kids were young and they were about to get into some foolishness. Perhaps they drank some water and they got their mouth full. <laughs> looking like they just might spit it on somebody. And all you have to do is look at, look at them and say, I wish you would. After you say that, then it looks like it all disappears. They swallow the water and they go in peace and the day goes on well. See, because the Galatians had listened to the false teachings, they began to add to the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that what they were doing by adding to the good news of Jesus was pagan. 
Because if you go to chapter four of Galatians, you'll realize that these were certain behaviors that they conducted with their false gods, trying to show off, trying to get that God's attention, trying to get their God to hear from them. But now that they have accepted Jesus, they no longer have to put on airs. They no longer have to work in their own strength. They can accept the goodness of Jesus and go in peace and enjoy and in gratitude. I want you to write down this first point. If your authentic faith doesn't express itself in love and care for others, then your faith is misplaced. If your faith now in Jesus causes you to switch up on people and treat them differently, if now you're so holy and you receive some new light that you can't treat people with the dignity and respect that they deserve, it could be that your faith has been misplaced. Perhaps you are not holier, you may actually be more unhealthy. So what was the issue? The false teaching was circumcision. And I want you to think about this. Jesus came, gave us life, and bought our freedom. And we were no longer enslaved to the law. But a false teacher stopped by, and some false teachings were getting out there where it said, yes, accept Jesus, and get circumcised. Now, it's absolutely crazy because I'm not a man, but I can only imagine adult men getting circumcised. That's absolutely insane. It's ludicrous. Why would God send his only son, let's go through it together, the ultimate sacrifice, and then start asking the people he sacrificed his son for to sacrifice themselves or self-mutilation to harm themselves so that they can be candidates of salvation? The devil is a lie. It was actually practices that they had brought over from when they were serving false gods. You see, whenever you add something to the word of God, when you add something to the sacrifice of Jesus, that is what is truly pagan. That is what is truly unhealthy. That is what is truly wrong. I don't think we see that. Paul said, I wish those who are giving these false teachings would actually go somewhere and mutilate themselves. That is what he says in the word. It was so dangerous because what began to happen is what we find happens even in our lives right here and right now. We begin to become hyper-focused on what we do and what we don't do, as if it were a litmus test to see how worthy we are of the favor of God and receiving the love of God. I'm talking to someone today. You actually base the fact that you are holy on what you don't do, where you don't go, what you don't eat, who you don't associate with. And I'm here to let you know that if you have received Jesus, it is no longer based on what you don't do or what you do do, but what you allow Jesus to do in and through you.
That is the gospel. Because if you could have done it on your, for yourself, then why didn't you get on the cross? Why didn't you shed your blood? Why didn't you take care of the sins? Because we were inadequate. The word of God declares that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So sometimes within religion, we add to the sacrifice of Jesus. And we think it's actually saying, well, I'm just doing all I can to please him. I'm just doing all I can. But it's actually pagan because it's saying that Jesus' sacrifice is not enough. I've got to add something to it in order for it to be perfect. And last I checked, the perfect lamb of God died for the world. You say, well, I don't do that. Let me, let me make it a little clearer. I'll never forget. You may think it's weird, but I tell you, God always brings this story to me. It took place many, many years ago. I had a friend who had a sibling that was dating someone. And he was telling me that his sibling was having trouble because his sibling's uh, girlfriend would not accept the Sabbath. So I said, well, well, what's the problem? He said, I've been telling her about the Sabbath. She won't accept the Sabbath. And I don't understand why she won't accept the Sabbath because the seventh day is the Sabbath. And he went on and on and on. And I thought to myself, Perhaps she might think about the Sabbath if you would quit inviting her into your bed. Perhaps her thoughts might be clear if you would keep her out your bedroom. But you are sitting here hyper-focusing on the Sabbath and you ain't got control of your body. So how about you take that to the Lord in prayer? Let him give you dominion over your flesh and then see if he wants her to know about the Sabbath. But I believe God wants her to rise up out that bed first and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? But you say, well, come on, Sister Knight, that, that's extreme. No, that's how crazy it gets sometimes. The way people become hyper-focused on what day people are worshiping or not. Hyper-focused on what they're wearing or not. Hyper-focused on, um, uh, you know, uh, if they've helped out others or not. Just this hyper-focus. I tell you what you need to do, do with that. You need to take that to the Lord in prayer and allow him to reveal himself to you first. And then see what he has in store. The problem became they wanted to show that they were different. They wanted to show that they were peculiar. They wanted to show that they were from a holy nation. They wanted something to identify them. They didn't want to be associated with everybody else who accepted Jesus. And so they began to add and say, you need to get circumcised. But if you study further, go to the word of God. If you study Galatians 4, 5, and 6, you will realize that the reason these false teachers were saying that is because they wanted to make them their disciples. They wanted to go around and tell other people, you see them? They're circumcised. They were grown men, and they were willing to circumcise based on what I told them. But how many of you know that Jesus will not allow anyone to add or take away or get any of his glory because his sacrifice is enough? Say it is enough. It is enough. So they have been going around and they had been trying to take the credit. They had been going around and they were trying to, 
trying to get people to do what they wanted them to do instead of receiving the goodness of Jesus. And I know sometimes that happens in our lives. We just, we get into a state of being where we feel like it's not enough. We feel like it, it has to be more. We feel like we are never content. Our second point is, we have to understand that if you find that you are not content for long, that your joy is fleeting, that your peace is gone, I want you to consider that the relationship you may be in has reached its expiration. That may be it. You see, they, they, they wanted more, but it was for all the wrong reasons. They wanted to feel like they had helped Jesus save their wretched souls. And so in that season, they became discontent. In that season, they start getting their hands involved in matters that was not to be involved in. And so while they did that, it made the sacrifice of Jesus null and void. What I'm trying to say is if Jesus is not the center, if Jesus is not the reason, if Jesus's salvation is not accepted, realizing that you cannot do this in and of yourself, that there is no way you can help him and that he helped you, then you are saying that it's not enough. You know, I grew up hearing when someone uh, had a moral fall, I grew up hearing, oh, he's fallen from grace. I just want to say this, brothers and sisters, please read, please read the scriptures. Please read the scriptures in their rightful context. Fallen from grace means when Jesus died for you, and he paid the ultimate sacrifice, and then you decide that what he did was not enough, and that you have to do things, and that you have to not do things to be worthy of the salvation, means you have fallen from grace. It's, it's clear, you haven't accepted grace, so you've fallen from it. It is not a moral issue in regards to whether you are sleeping with someone or whether you have strayed uh, from, from, from some practice or teaching. It has to do with the fact that you have not fully taken hold of the sacrifice of Jesus and all that it has done and all that it is doing for you. I want to stop by here today and just say, I wish you would. I wish you would think that your righteousness is what is saving you. It is all about Jesus. It is all about his grace. It is all about his goodness. I want you to know you still need Jesus if you cuss people out or you no longer cuss. I want you to know you still need Jesus if you gossip or perhaps you stopped gossiping 30 minutes ago. I want you to know that you still need Jesus if you're vegan or if you eat meat. I want you to know that you still need Jesus if you have multiple degrees or no degrees at all. I want you to know that you need Jesus if you're smoking weed or if you've never smoked anything in your life.
I want you to know that you still need Jesus if you go to church and pay tithe every week and if you've never paid tithe and offering and you rarely go to church. I want you to know that you still need Jesus if you kept your virginity before you got married and if you, you still need Jesus if you didn't keep your virginity before you got married. I want us to know that no matter what the situation is, you and I need Jesus. At all times, we need him because we were born in sin and we were shaping in iniquity and sometimes we become conceited and sometimes we become arrogant in thinking that we're doing good and patting our own self on the shoulder yeah you may not do what you used to do but the word of God declares is that the human heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it so it is the grace of God that is sustaining you it's the grace of God why you didn't cuss that person out it's the grace of God why you didn't jack him up it's all the grace of God that's been made manifest through Jesus I want you to see the contrast I'm going back now when Paul initially met with the Galatians and gave them the good news of Jesus they had joy they had gratitude they looked after him they were compassionate and then when the false teacher got a hold of them they were looking at him. They didn't receive him warmly. They were side-eyeing him like something was wrong with him. And they weren't treating him like the Lord would have us treat our brothers and sisters. And I want to make this story plain. It was about a week ago today. My husband was uh, in St. Croix preaching the gospel of Jesus. And he said his driver pulled up real quick just to let him off so he could go and preach the gospel. But for some reason, uh, the man who was out, in the, we can't call him a deacon, he was out there tending to the parking. When they pulled up real quick, the first words he said when they rolled the window down was, you can't park here. Well, the gentleman who drove the car said, well, uh, good morning. He said, um, I'm just letting the pastor off so he can get in and give the word. You can't park here. And my husband said, he said out loud, hmm, he said, did he say good morning? So I want to ask you, if your religion, if your faith, if your, your connection with God leads you to a point where you can't do the basics, you can't smile, you can't check on people, you can't be kind and you can't be loving. And I'm going to tell you why it happens. Because when you become hyper-focused and you serve God to gain his favor and you trying to earn your salvation by your works, you can't be nice to people. You can't be kind. It takes too much energy. You got to make sure that you're going to be ready when Jesus comes. You got to make sure that your name is in the book. Instead of having the faith to know that he who hath begun a good work in me is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The issue is when you are walking by the spirit, you are no longer in control. And I've come to realize that most of us are control freaks. 
tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. I can check all the boxes and I can walk with God and I can be confident. But God shakes it up. He says, you receive my son. Once you receive my son, you receive his spirit. And once you have his spirit, no matter where you are, what you do, you will continue to grow in grace and begin to be kind and compassionate and thoughtful. But you won't know you're doing all that because you'll be serving others. You won't be hyper-focused on yourself. You won't be conceited. You won't be overwhelmed by your own self. I just wanted to share this message because I, I believe, and this word has been in my heart a long time, that as believers, we don't walk in freedom. I've come by to debunk a myth that has been going on way too long. Some of us believe that if we are really free in the spirit, that we are somehow going to turn against God. That liberty is going to cause us to lose our minds. That if somebody ain't telling you what to do, when to do it, and where to do it, it ain't no telling what you might do. But I just want to know, has anybody ever had somebody do something for them that they did not deserve? And it didn't cause you to want to, uh, to use and abuse them. But what it did was it brought up a wellspring of gratitude. Kind of like the lady with the alabaster box. She didn't go back to the life she lived before. She found herself taking all her money and pouring all that expensive oil at the feet of Jesus. I want to debunk a myth that if you get free, if God liberates you, if you truly accept salvation, knowing that the only way you can be lost is if you choose to be lost but that his grace is sufficient and his sacrifice is enough that you don't have to add to the word in order to receive salvation I want to debunk that myth that because I'm free in Christ if you want to sit in the service and nod your head that's your business but if I want to jump around and kick my legs up that's my business <laughs> If, 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 if you say, um, I, I want to eat a vegetarian, vegan diet, you feel convict to do, convicted to do that? Then that's what you do. I feel convicted to get me some grilled chicken and some salmon if the Lord provides it. And I will enjoy it, give thanks. And know I'm a child of God just like you. You ain't no better than me. And I ain't no better than you. Because what happens is... The freedom allows us to see that we are free to choose Christ every day. We don't have to. We're not enslaved to the law. This is a willing thing. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to divulge a little information. I've been doing um, a life transformation, mind, body, and spirit. And so um, I remember the time when I was on a diet. If you said to me, I can't eat it. That's the very thing I want to eat. If you say to me, I can't have it, that's the very thing I want to have. And it's something that happens, and I'll speak to a therapist. My girlfriend is one. I didn't get a chance to talk with her. When we begin to deprive ourselves of things, it actually produces, produces extreme behaviors. 
Um, I remember a friend who was bragging and she said, you know, she was vegetarian. And then her cousin who wasn't vegetarian came to visit and she said, girl, y'all don't eat no meat, but y'all kill that sugar. So what happens is we begin to have extremes. We go from not eating meat to anything that got some sugar in it belongs to us. It, it, it creates an extreme behavior. But when you are free in the spirit, then you can choose what you'll eat. You'll choose what you're not going to eat. You'll choose where to go. You'll choose where not to go. Not because it's you doing it, but Jesus living inside of you, guiding you and leading you into all truth. And then when you see your brother and sister, they may do something differently than you do it. But you won't necessarily judge that they don't know Christ because you don't know. But what we can know is that if we are not doing the basics and treating each other with dignity and respect, being loving and kind, that we have not experienced Jesus at the level he would have us experience him. I want my brothers and sisters to know today that Jesus is enough. There's a song that says, it is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. I want to know if you truly believe that the blood still works, that the blood still works, that it's never lost its power. Brothers and sisters, I want your faith to grow to the point that you can show love to people from all walks of life, different sexual orientations, different religions, different faiths. I want you to be able to know that Jesus's love is sufficient. He can take care of his own. You don't have to deprive people of love. You don't have to deprive yourself of love in order to accept the salvation of Jesus. Because indeed, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I want to know in closing, is there anybody today that wants to be free? Free to experience the love of God. Free to express the love of God that he has put in their hearts. Free to know that there's nothing I can do that will cause him to love me any more or any less. I am his and he is mine. And that is enough. If you desire to go to the next level in your life, you want to be free. You don't want to be bound by what you've heard. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go here. You want the spirit of the living God to live so real in your life that people will know that you have experienced him based on how you treat them, not based on what you look like. If you desire freedom in Jesus, to no longer feel that people won't know Jesus if you don't tell them about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people are around here um, feeling like they got to save everybody. Jesus' blood is enough. But what you can do is make yourself a committee of one and allow the spirit of the living God to flow through you on such a consistent basis that people will see Jesus in you, whether you open up your mouth or not. 
whether you say something or not. I have had people who I know don't even deal with Jesus, just feel something different. They'll come and they'll say something like, mm, your energy is, your energy, I'm agreeing with your energy. I don't know what all they talking about. But what I do know is they are experiencing the power of God through me. And we're not in a church building. Sometimes we're in a parking lot. Sometimes we're in an office. Sometimes we're in the grocery store. Sometimes we're at the mall. They're experiencing Jesus through me because I'm not so much trying to be a Christian as I am allowing Christ to live in and through me to reveal himself to the world. Somebody here today is weary and just trying. Trying not to look like the world, dress like the world, be like the world. <laughs> what you need to do is let Jesus get a hold of you. Because when he gets a hold of you, he will do something in you in the spiritual realm that you couldn't do all day if you were given Bible studies from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is a spiritual thing, brothers and sisters. The world ain't looking for people who look strange and weird or just want people to look at them and say, okay, well, y'all different, y'all peculiar. No, 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 no. They want to be in relationship with people that are loving and kind and gracious and have joy and have peace that's what's attractive about Jesus and that's what will attract others to you if you feel like God is calling you to a level of freedom in him where you're no longer preoccupied about what you did or you didn't do but you are now consumed by his goodness and his grace and you trust the fact that he is able to do anything but fail and that his blood still works, I invite you to stand. You want to be free. You want to be free from people's expectations. You want to be free from people's judgment. You want to be free from what you may even think of yourself because of the situation you're currently in. You want to be free to know that his blood covers you it covered you before you even knew you needed to be covered. So why now would it not cover you all the more that you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Oh, he loves you. All of the music said it today. Oh, my brothers and sisters, he is for you. He is a liberating God because when you are liberated, you are free, free to smile. Free to jump, free to sit down and nod your head, free to holler, free to keep quiet. You are free and that's what the world is looking for now. They're looking for people who are free because this world without Jesus just ain't worth it. How many of y'all know that? This world without Jesus, it just ain't worth it. Uh-uh. One day you're doing fine, next thing you're in a pandemic, next thing you're dealing with monkeypox. I need Jesus, how about you? If there's anyone here, I don't, I don't want to take it for granted that somebody may not know Jesus and his power to save. I, I don't want to take it for granted. If you need Jesus, if you want to accept Jesus as your personal 
Lord and Savior, if you want to walk with him without fear, if you want to walk with him in peace, I invite you to come forward. I invite you to come forward because we're going to pray for you today. Maybe you know Jesus, but maybe you've turned away from him because you believe that you just can't do it on your own. I have a good news for you today. You can't, but he can. I invite you to express Jesus in a, experience Jesus in a new and real way. Does anybody need Jesus today? Do you need his power? Do you need the freedom to walk in it the way he desires for you? I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here, who are standing, who desire to be free in Jesus, who want to no longer be a slave to sin and to perfection but want to accept the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ and fully trusting that when he lives inside of you that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven that they will not be ashamed of the gospel because it's not a list of do's and don'ts it's actually an expression of freedom to no longer be sit, uh, a slave to sin and all of the pain and sorrow and sadness that goes along with it lord we don't want to go around and tell people to look at us and see we're different we want to know that once they encounter us your spirit will speak to their spirit and they will know that there is a God. And not only is there a God, there is a loving God, a compassionate God, ah, that will never leave them, nor forsake them, and that is always for them in the good times and in the bad. So we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that it's never lost its power. We thank you, God, that it still works. We thank you, God, that you won't give up on us. And we love you today, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Realizing that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you are being blessed by this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us. You can give through our website at revisionchurchatlanta.org slash give. Or if you're local to Atlanta, Georgia, sign up to join a Revision volunteer team by texting CREW to 833-406-0775. That's CREW, C-R-E-W, to 833-406-0775. We hope you have a phenomenal week.